Well, today we are going to finish our series on Jacob versus Esau. This is part six of the series. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Genesis chapter 28? And we're going to start at verse 10. Genesis chapter 28, starting at verse 10. <clears throat> and if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in, his, in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it and named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. When Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you once again for this time. And Lord, we just commit this service, we commit this message and this word into your hands. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move, would speak to us, and that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. So while Jacob was sleeping, he had a divine encounter with God. God spoke to him directly through a dream he had. God spoke to him and he told him exactly what it was that he was giving him. This land that he was currently laying down on. That not only was he going to bless Jacob, but that his descendants would be as numerous as the dust on the ground. That he was going to give them this land that he had promised them and that he was going to be with him. God used that opportunity to speak to Jacob in such an amazing way. And the Lord speaks to us today in different ways. Amen. 
He speaks to us in different ways in our life, and it's important for us to be open, that's point number one, to how the Lord will speak to us. He will speak to us in different ways throughout our life. Sometimes I wish, and I'm sure you've wished, that God would speak to you the way that he spoke to people in the Bible, right? That we would have a divine encounter at the burning bush and see this bush on fire and, and not be consumed, or that, that God would part the waters and that he would show himself so faithful in that way, or that he would speak through a donkey or, or something amazing like that, right? Like, why couldn't God speak to me through some animal. But the truth is that God speaks to us today. However, he may not necessarily use the same means and same methods that he used in the past, but he is still speaking to us today. He speaks to us in different ways, and chances are he's spoken to you in the past, but there are times where we may miss God speaking to us. If we are not learning to recognize his voice and recognizing how he moves, we can often miss his voice speaking to us because we don't know what that may sound like. And it's important for us to know God and to know his voice, to know when he speaks and to really know him. I'm sure that when you get phone calls of people that you know really well, they don't even have to identify themselves, right? You know who it is by their voice. You know exactly when it is, Miss Debbie, when your daughters call you because you know their voice, right? Annette, you know when your son calls you because you know his voice. You see, the Lord says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. When we know God's voice, we understand how he speaks to us. And I'm not talking necessarily in an audible way because chances are God's not going to necessarily talk to you in an audible way. But he speaks to us through a different method in different ways. He speaks to us in many different ways. It could be through a song, like one of the beautiful songs that Andre just sang. It could be through a Bible verse, through a book that you've read, through his holy word in prayer. He could speak to you through a sermon, through a friend or a relative, through a dream or a vision, through a special circumstance that's happening in your life. He speaks to us in different ways. You see, when we pray to God, that's just us talking to him. But God also wants an opportunity to speak to us as well. It's not just a one-sided relationship that he wants, but he wants not only for us to talk to him, but for him to speak to us as well. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. You see, God wants us not only to call upon him, but to listen when he answers us. Throughout history, God has spoken to people in his holy word through the Bible. We see many different times where God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, where God spoke to Samuel in an audible voice, where God spoke to Moses through a burning bush or Zechariah through an angel, 
where God spoke to Jonah through a special circumstance that he was in. He spoke to Jacob through a dream. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. He spoke to John through revelations. God is still speaking to us today. He is a very present God who wants to have that personal relationship with us. And he speaks to his people. There are very important people in this world, and if you tried to call them, chances are you wouldn't get to them directly, right? Like, you and I would not be able to just phone up the President of the United States and have a conversation with him. You understand that, right? There are many different people that you would have to go through, and chances are we probably would never even get to speak to him, have a conversation, because there are other people that would handle those kind of things, right? Isn't it amazing to know that God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created and sustains the universe, gives us a direct line to him? We can call on him at any time. His number is never busy. It's never out of service. He's never unavailable. He is always there. Call on him and he will answer you. Be open to whatever way God chooses to speak to you in. May you listen and may you learn to recognize his voice in every area of his life. May you learn to see God and know when he talks to you and when he is speaking. If you think about Jacob's past, God spoke to him, but think about his past. He, con he conned his brother into giving up his birthright. He lied and deceived his father into giving him a blessing that he didn't deserve. And then he ran away from home to try to avoid the consequences of facing uh, his brother and what his brother might do. Yet, despite all of the mistakes, despite all of the things that Jacob did, despite them all, God chose to speak to Jacob and not just speak to him, but to bless him. Think about that, that God still spoke to him and he still blessed him. You see, the Lord can forgive us. He can bless us and use us despite our past mistakes and the things that we have done wrong. He is able to forgive us, to bless us, to use us, despite the past that we may have. May you understand that God loves you more than you will ever know. As Andre sang, his grace should still amaze us. It should still cause us to be in awe of God. That despite who we are and what we've done, he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. Jacob made a lot of mistakes. In fact, the reason that he was where he was was because he was running away from the mistakes that he had made. Because he had done so much wrong at home that he was trying to run away from those things. But God was still willing to bless him. God was still willing to use him. God was still willing to give him the promises that he had made to his foreparents in the past. God, in his mercy, his grace, and his compassion, looked upon Jacob, looked past all that he had done wrong, 
and gave him what he did not deserve. Do you ever wonder if God can forgive you because of all the mistakes that you've made? Do you ever wonder, can he truly forgive you for all of the things that you have done wrong and the sins that you have committed? And the truth is that there are times where we know that God has forgiven us, but that, that voice of the enemy sometimes comes and sneaks into our mind and brings back those things that we've done that God has already forgiven us of, but he likes to bring them back up, right? He likes to remind us of the past and the things that we've done wrong. But God has forgiven us. He stands ready and willing. You see, if we truly are willing to repent of our sins and change our ways, if we are truly willing to do that, then he stands ready to forgive us, to make us clean and new, and to give us a fresh new start. And he does not hold our sins against us. Amen. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He doesn't hold it against us. He doesn't bring them back or throw them in our face. He removes them and he forgets about them and he makes us new. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his blood that was shed paid the price for our sins that we owe. It's because of that sacrifice that we can experience God's forgiveness. Do you ever wonder why God blesses people who don't even believe in him? Do you ever wonder that? You look at someone else's life and, and you think, let's be real for a second. God, I'm worshiping you. I'm being faithful to you. That person doesn't even know you. And yet they look like they're prospering. They look like they're doing so well. Again, God wants us to be concerned about our own lives and our relationship with him, not about other people. And we talked last week about being content. But you see, God can choose to bless who he chooses to bless, whether Christian or not, whether someone who knows him and acknowledges him or not. He blesses who he wants. And we know that God will bless us because we are his children. He will look after us and provide for our needs. We may not necessarily get every single thing on our wish list, but God will take care of us. God will continue to help us. Not only is God able to forgive and to bless us, but he's able to use us as well. And when I talk about using us, sometimes, you know, when you talk about using someone, it's a negative thing, right? But God's not using us in a negative way. In fact, God is giving us an opportunity. He's choosing us for a special task. When we talk about God using us, it's him choosing us and asking us to fulfill a special task that he has for us. And God is able to use us in that way for his honor and glory. Can you imagine that God chooses us? He chooses us to be his hands and feet. He chooses us to carry out his work. He chooses us to show the world who he is. We are chosen people, a holy and set-apart people. Are we living a life that shows that we are chosen by God, that we should be the ones to do what he has called us to do? 
so that we can show the world who he truly is. God is able to help us. He is able to forgive us. He is able to use us for his honor and glory. You see, despite all that Jacob did, God still was able to do all those things through him. And the truth is that no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter how much education you have or where you grew up or the language that you speak, God loves you and he is able to do all those things through you. He wants to have that personal relationship with you. Have you experienced that forgiveness that only God is able to give? Have you experienced that blessing that only he is able to give? Have you experienced him choosing you to fulfill a certain task? And it may not be a big, huge task. It can simply be feeling the leading of the Holy Spirit to give something to someone. That's him using you. That's him choosing you. That's him asking you to carry out his work. Sometimes I think that we can become desensitized to how much God truly loves us. Because growing up in Sunday school, we've heard it so many times, or you've heard it in different ways. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, you've heard that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But let that sink in. Don't get desensitized to just facts. Understand that God loves you so much that he willingly chose to come down, to step down from heaven to earth. He willingly chose to set aside his divinity and all that he is, to take on the form of a human so that he could understand what it feels like, so that he could understand to sympathize with us and to know and understand what we go through. He experienced what it felt like to be hungry, to be mocked, to be ridiculed. He experienced what it felt to feel pain and to feel lonely. God stepped down willingly and surrendered his life on the cross. He didn't have to stay there. They didn't force him to stay there. In fact, at his word, he would have been released, but he willingly went to the cross because of his love for us. Isn't that the greatest love story that you've ever heard? That God loves you so much. That's the kind of love that he wants you to experience. That's as much that he wants you to do. He cleanses us. He makes us new. And he forgives us. Have you experienced that forgiveness? Because today is the day where you can say, God, forgive me. I want to change. I want to make things new. I want to make them right with you. Today is the day that you can do that. You see, we are all sinners in need of God's mercy and forgiveness. And not only may we experience that forgiveness and that mercy, but may we also be quick to extend that forgiveness and mercy to other people as well. You see, we cannot accept God's forgiveness and not be willing to forgive others as well. Because if we don't forgive our brothers and sisters, then God is not going to forgive us. So not only can we accept that forgiveness, but may we extend it and show it to other people as well in our lives. Amen? Amen. 
So after waking up from his dream, Jacob was amazed and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. Jacob almost missed what God was doing. But when he realized, he knew that he had experienced something spiritual. He had experienced something that he had never experienced before that only came from God. And here's the third point today, and and to understand it, you need to stick with me. We can easily miss God's presence if we're looking through our physical eyes instead of our spiritual eyes. All right? So it's time to wake up, and it's time to stick with me. We can easily miss what God is doing if we're looking at our, our faith and if we're looking at things through our physical eyes instead of our spiritual eyes. You see, it's possible for us to experience God and not even realize it because we don't recognize what he's doing, because we're looking through it from a physical perspective. One night I was driving home and I was on the highway driving and on the the route that I was taking, I, I normally take that route almost every day. And so I'm very familiar with it, and I have to mention that I drive the speed limit, okay? Also also because my car doesn't let me go that fast anyway, so (laughs) So I drive the speed limit. But for some reason, it's a habit for me. You know, if you take a certain route, you get familiar sometimes with hiding spots that the police have, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so there are certain things. And even though I'm driving the speed limit, and I want to make that clear, okay, there are times where I, I, I look ahead because I know that those are some of the spots. And so even though you're, you're driving the speed limit, you, you want to be extra cautious. So you just slow down a little bit, right? Anthony, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, just to be sure. It's the same thing, you know, if you go to a stop sign, you stay there a little extra longer to make sure they know you stopped, even though you did stop. Okay, so I'm driving home, and I know some of the places that I've seen the police on a regular basis. So it's habit for me to, you know, look ahead, slow down, because if they're there, you know, I want to make sure that there's, there's no chance of anything happening. So this whole drive, you know, there was about three or four spots that I could think of that they may be hiding, and the whole drive, nothing, right? In a way, I was a little sad because I, I was expecting them, and I was ready, right? Because I was driving a good speed, nothing. So I get to my exit now, okay? I get to my exit, and, and it's a red light, and so I stop. And I looked over, and guess who was right next to me? A police officer, right? And so I thought, like, I was a little shocked and taken back. You know, the whole time I was driving, I was so busy looking for the police where I assumed they were because they had always been there. Are you following me on this? I was looking for them the whole time in spots that I expected them to be, and I didn't even realize in looking for them ahead where I thought they would be that the whole time they were driving right next to me. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I didn't expect them to be there. You see, there are times in our life 
where because we've put God in this box and we expect him only to show up in certain ways, in certain areas, in certain aspects of our life, we can miss him being right next to us and the things that he is doing right there. Because we're too busy looking for him in places that we thought he would be or that he would be staying. But he can be right there with us the whole time. We can get so caught up looking for God that we don't expect him to be in the everyday places where we are and where we live our life. God was not with Jacob physically, but he was with him spiritually. Because God is spirit, he is everywhere. Jacob's spirit connected with God, and he realized that not only was it God, but it was God in this place You see, we cannot see God physically. Did you know that? We we can't see God physically. And many people don't believe in God because they can't see him physically. Think about that. You cannot see God physically. And so most of the time we have this mentality, if we can't see something, it just doesn't exist right? Because seeing is believing. That's why Jesus said, blessed is he who believes yet has not seen. Because if you believe, then you are believing something that you have not seen, and you're believing by faith, something that you have not seen. The songwriter says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart because it's not with our physical eyes that we see God. It's with the spiritual eyes that we have that we experience him. God wants us to be connected to him spiritually. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And what that means is he doesn't just want the physical actions because I can be raising my hands and worshiping God, but my heart may not be right. And he wants to make sure that we are worshiping, that we are praising him, that we are connected to him spiritually in the right way. He wants us to be spiritually connected to him. You see, there are certain things that we cannot understand in the physical that only make sense in the spiritual. There are certain things that just don't make sense. It does not make sense that my back... It it does not make sense to do that in the physical. It only makes sense in the spiritual. Physically, it does not make sense for Lazarus to be dead for four days and for him to be resurrected. It only makes sense in the spiritual. You see, there are things that only can be understood in the spiritual that God has created us to understand and to be. When John received the revelations, it says that he was in the spirit. If you read Revelation chapter 1, he was in the spirit. It says, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. When we are in tune with God's spirit, 
When our spirits are connected with God, then we will experience him in more ways than we will ever imagine. That's when he gives us those revelations. That's when he gives us those understandings. Because we're spiritual beings in a physical body. We were meant to experience God in a whole nother way. God is everywhere and always at work. He's moving and we need to be in tune with his spirit or we'll miss his presence in our lives. May you learn to use your spiritual eyes and to search for God and to see him at work and how he's moving. Look for God to see him in our everyday ways and know when his presence is moving and at work and with you. May you learn to recognize him, not only his voice, but his spirit moving as well. After waking up, Jacob made a memorial pillar and he promised that if God would indeed be with him, provide for him and see him through this journey, that he would present a tenth of everything he had back to God. What that teaches us is don't neglect giving back at least a tenth to God of everything he blesses us with. Amen, don't neglect giving it to him. You know, there, there's a mentality that, oh, they're asking for money again. No, we're asking you to be obedient to what God has asked you to Amen. do. You see, we didn't make that rule. God made it. We didn't tell you that you need to give at least 10%. God is the one who established that. It's wonderful to see that even throughout a pandemic, that so many of you have been faithful in your giving, that you have remained faithful, that you have continued to sacrifice and to give. And I truly want to commend those of you who give faithfully, whether you're here in person or those online watching because that shows your level of commitment. That shows what God is doing in your life. And I truly want to say thank you because not only have you given your regular tithes and offerings, but you've given to disaster relief. You've given to missions. You've given to so many things. And God will truly bless you for those things. But the reality is that some of you have neglected your giving. That some of you have held back what God has called you to give, your responsibility to the Lord, at least a tenth of what he has blessed you with and given you. And today, some of you do need to step up and start to fulfill that responsibility, Amen. to start to be faithful in your giving, because if we're not, then what we're doing is actually robbing God. We're cheating God in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. It said, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You see, we can rob God or skim from him or cheat him by not giving back a portion of what he has blessed us with. And let me make something very, very clear. Whether or not you give, God's work will continue. Because he will make a way. He's God. And at the end of the day, if it's for him, he's going to make a way. But by you giving, not only do you get to participate 
participate in seeing his kingdom be built, but you get to experience the blessing that comes from being a a cheerful giver. Because God desires cheerful givers. And there are so many of you that I've heard from over the years, and I've experienced it myself, that even when you thought you would not be able to afford it, because you put that responsibility first and made it a priority, you were amazed at how God provided. You were amazed how much he was able to bless and to expand and provide and make what seemed to be not enough more than enough. Because when we put God's business first, he takes care of our business. When we make him a priority and give to him, then he makes sure that he blesses us more. You see, many people have this mentality that when I get more, then I'll give, right? When I get more or when I become rich or or when I get a better job or when I finish school or, or whatnot, then I'll give, then I'll be faithful. You see, here's the thing. If God cannot entrust us and trust us with the small things, then he's not going to trust us with the big things. When we prove ourselves faithful, then he will continue to bless. He will continue to expand our territory. He will continue to give us more and open the floodgates of heaven even wider. Don't neglect your responsibility in giving to the Lord. And giving now is the most convenient it's ever been. Because there are so many different ways. You can give in person, like you're you're here today. You can give in person. You can give online by e-transfer. Some of you mail your offerings, your check in. Some of you even ask us to come pick it up, and that's fine too. We can do that. It's just important that we give, that we're faithful, and that we are being responsible stewards of what God has blessed us with. Because at the end of the day, if it wasn't for God, we won't have what we have. And so God wants us to acknowledge that he is the source of what we have by giving back a portion to him. My prayer for you is that you would experience that verse in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, where it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. May it be poured into your lap for the same measure that you give. God will use to give to you as well. My prayer is that you would experience God's provision the way that I've experienced his provision. That you would experience him that even when you look at your circumstance and you say, I only have a little oil, that he would help you to see that that oil, when you give it to him, will never run out. When you hand it over to him, that it will never go dry. You may be going through a difficult financial season, You may have a lot of debt. There may be a lot of excuses, but may you not neglect the responsibility that God has called you to. He has called us all to give at least a tenth. Whatever you believe about tithing, know that it's for your benefit because you get to experience the blessings that come from being a faithful and cheerful giver. And by the grace of God, may you strive to live a generous life not only to our church, but may you be generous to other people as well, those who are in need that don't have as much as we have. You see, Jacob learned and experienced what it was 
to, to live in God's blessing, to be forgiven by God, to have God speak to him, and to be blessed by him. And he gave back a portion of that. May you and I learn from the lessons that Jacob has taught us today and throughout this series. And may we be called to live and strive to live at a higher level that God has called us to. May we be open to the God's Holy Spirit, knowing that the Lord speaks to us in different ways, that the Lord can forgive us, bless us, and use us despite our past and the mistakes that we've made. We can easily miss God's presence if we're looking through the wrong eyes, our physical eyes instead of our spiritual eyes. And may you not neglect giving back at least a tenth to God of everything that he has blessed you with. May God truly bless you as you give and as you are faithful to him in all that he has called you to do. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and for the truth that is contained in it. And we thank you for the many lessons that we have learned and that we can continue to learn from Jacob and Esau. And we pray that, Lord, you would help us. Help us to be in tune with your spirit, to recognize your voice when you speak, and to recognize when you are at work moving in our midst. Help us to be more aware of your spirit. Help us to know, oh God, know you and to recognize you. We thank you, Father, for who you are. We thank you that you have given us the ability to be made new, to be forgiven, to be cleansed from all unrighteousness because of your sacrifice on the cross. And we pray for your blessings upon each one. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who has not experienced that forgiveness, that they have not surrendered their life to you, then, Lord, that may you move in their life. And, Lord, may you indeed help them to surrender all that they are, to know that they are a child of God, that they are forgiven, that they're adopted into your family, and that they are bound for heaven one day. And so, God, we thank you for this time and this privilege of being in your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.